All right, I gotta ask you guys a question. It just dawned. What, what? Okay. It dawned on you. Did you got Bob? You dawned what? on you. I was gonna say it dawned on me that I get to see you for the next two weekends. Oh, that's right. We're gonna see each other next yeah. weekend in Louisville, and then we're gonna see each other in New York. I forgot all about the New York yeah. episode <laughs> of All Life. <laughs> I forgot about the New York part yeah. of All Life. <laughs> oh man, September is so short. Oh my god. Yeah. It's crazy. Which so reminds me I'm that we're not recording next week, and there will be no show next week. Oh, yeah. Right. Good point. Right. Not next week. Right. But um, I'm going to Louisville, University of Louisville, to help with a hackathon at First Build. And the next day is Make a Fair, so I'll see you there. And then we're going to have a hangout that Sunday night. Yeah. Yep. That's next week. That is going to be not at First Build. Right. As far as I understand it, the... The hangout after the fair is going to be across the Ohio River, which is just like 10 minutes away, in Jeffersonville, Mm -hmm. I think, at a makerspace called Maker 13. That's the plan. I need to follow up with those guys to make sure that that's still cool, but (laughs) I'm telling everybody here, that's the plan. So I'll be there. I'm going to be at the university uh, on Saturday and then Sunday at Maker Fair hanging out. The the Maker Fair is at the same university, isn't it? Yeah, it's at the same first build. Yeah. Uh, whatever that place is. Yeah. So that's next week. It's a makerspace, I guess. I don't know. I'm not sure. So I was going to ask you guys, uh, Machine Gun Kelly or Eminem? <laughs> I was letting that pause hang out there. You guys aren't listening, so forget it. Well, I I, I know Eminem, but is is Machine Gun Kelly some sort of Eminem enemy? <laughs> Yeah, that was just Eminem. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm kind of half kidding around. There was like a like a, a a rap battle going back and forth, and Eminem. Everyone's waiting patiently oh. for Eminem's reply. So you guys got to go listen. Okay, I, I I do. I'm gonna. This isn't my pick of the week, but I did listen to an Eminem interview uh, over over the week that was really really good. Uh, this is so far off topic, but uh, I have XM radio in my car. And uh, there's a channel that I listen to quite a bit, and it's called Rock the Bells. It's um, hosted by LL Cool J, and it's all old school hip hop. Every day, yeah, yeah. And Eminem um, came by for an interview. It's like an hour and a half interview, and it's really, really good. Even if you're not an Eminem fan, it's really good because the the, the tough guy attitude goes away, and he, they're just talking, and. Eminem at one point, like he's such a big fan of LL, like just basically said, I'm really nervous to be around you. Like, this is amazing <laughs> to me. Like, it was just a huh. really good interview. And I was like, oh, man, that's fantastic. Well, well there's been this rap battle going on, on on YouTube and Machine Gun Kelly, somebody I'd never heard of before last week. And he put out a, a dish track. It's funny, I'm talking mm. like I'm 15 years old. And it's <laughs> it's really yeah, good. Homie. <laughs> it's really good. You gotta listen to it, it's really good. But everyone's like, oh my God, you just signed your own death warrant, dude. Because he came at him really, really aggressively with some really crazy things. And now everyone's waiting patiently to hear what Eminem comes back with. It's gonna be good. <laughs> so if you're an Eminem fan like I am. I, I'm I'm a fan of all music, and when I say that, I really mean like hip hop, old hip hop, a little bit of new hip hop, mostly none but like heavy metal. And I think anybody from my generation and your generation pretty much is open to most music. Mm-hmm. It seems like it. You know, mostly all music is something that anybody can at least listen to a little bit of. What's, I'm one of those people. What's the station you listen to most on XM? Uh, old school hip hop, Howard Stern, and country. Hmm. Those are the three things I'm always switching between. Very That's nice. One. And then the various hip hop stations and the various country stations. That's why I put it, generalized it. So I, <laughs> I've never been, I've never been a fan of country, at all. Um, and my wife's not really. She's she'll like listen to pretty much anything, kind of like you're saying. But I've always been a, a bit pickier about music. I think that's an okay thing to be picky about. But anyway, <laughs> I came up <laughs> recently to the kitchen and she was listening to Garth Brooks, and I'm just like. I don't listen to Garth Brooks. Why would you want to listen to this? (laughs) And it's totally me. That's fine. Yeah, I'd like if you like Garth Brooks, more power to you. I'm not trying to diss on the guy, but it was just like it caught me off guard because it's not like country doesn't play in our house. I got to change my pick of the week. Thanks. (laughs) 
<laughs> so speaking of Garth Brooks, I removed the fence on my miter saw station and made a video about it. And apparently Garth Brooks has an album called No Fences. So somebody <laughs> that was the one that she was listening to. Oh my goodness! So somebody photoshopped my face on that album, and basically my reply was barf. <laughs> <laughs> and again, Barf, again Barf if you Brooks. like that music, that's totally fine. It's just I don't really know much about Garth Brooks. Oh. Barf Brooks. Barf Brooks was actually uh, one of the derby names that got thrown around because all oh, the, nice. the girls, like my wife, played roller derby, and they all have like different names and stuff. Barf Brooks is one of them. Nice. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> what, have, what have you been working on? Yeah, I don't know how we got to that. Well, I'll go first. I've been working on it. my canoe. I'm really excited about the progress. At first, I was a little nervous because I wasn't really sure where I was going with it. And each step I avoided as long as possible. And But now I have the in-whales in. They're the two strips of wood that go inside with the, the scuppers, which are little holes in them. So I got them in place and real excited that uh, I got them in successfully without breaking them because you're going to make some severe bends in them. And then today I'll probably put on the outer whales, and so I'm excited about that. That's that's moving along. And uh, called whales, like yeah, they're, like they're, a whale. Uh, it's called in whales and outer whales or gunnels. I don't know exactly. I'm horrible with my definitions on things, but it's that strip of wood that goes along the upper edge. So when you pick up the canoe, you're grabbing a piece of wood that's glued to the inside and the outside. And the one on the inside has little holes in it, so that if the canoe gets full of water and you roll it on its side, the water will not well up in that raised edge. It'll go through it and those holes are called scuppers so i came up with a method to to cut the scuppers in and i made a sign for the thrillist which i never really heard of until this week (laughs) are you sure you're not making this up (laughs) why because like gotta gotta cut in the scuppers and put on the thrillist and your your wang doodles got left with the no you guys know the thrillist you see it on my instagram maybe this week i made a sign for this company called the thrillist and i had plenty of footage to turn it into a full video but i made it a two-minute video on my vlog just because enough with the signs already seriously <laughs> come on seriously for real enough, enough. With the, the light up signs seriously dude don't you make anything else these days <laughs> axes and signs that's it axes and that's okay there's your album name mm. your first country album it's called Axes and Signs. I'm working on it right now. Do it. There you go. Axes, Signs, and Switchblades. Mm. Uh, so what else am I working on? Today I'm going to start a new video. I'm going to work on a uh, a gift for a friend who listens. So he's going to be super surprised when he gets it. So I'm going to start working on that today. I don't want to say what it is. And uh, what else? The siding's done. I think Can we'll I- start painting this week on my building. What? I was just going to interject um, just because you were pausing. I just licked an envelope to the IRS, and it tasted like curry. Mm. I don't think envelopes are supposed to taste like curry, so I'm a little worried about that one. Anyway, uh, go ahead. Uh, Bob's <laughs> going to pass out in a few minutes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you that's still seven it. days, just... Bob, but to mail that out. Right? Uh, this is – I don't know what – this is a different uh, thing. Yeah. All right. All right. <clears throat> But that's it. That's what I'm working on. The building's getting close to being painted this week, and it's exciting. Everything's slowly moving along. It's starting to get cold up here, though. I still don't yeah. have electric or heat. So you know, Wait, I thought you did have electric. I have electric in the building. It's just temporary. We don't have the actual main electric because we're working with Southwire is going to do the main pole. So we're working oh. kind of within their schedule, and then Patrick, my, my electrician, working within his schedule because he's going to be the manager, project manager that day. And he's away, and then I'm going to be away. So when we're in Louisville, they might handle the rest of the electric. We're going to have Brett film it. Is that like a day's worth of work to pull that line, or bigger or less? Or uh, what? Probably half a day. You know, once it gets on either mm. side, it's up to the electrician to figure out how to connect it. But Southwire is going to use their pull truck, which I've never seen. I'm excited to try and uh, be involved. Hopefully, they'll do it the Monday after our trip. But they send a big cable through, and that cable pulls this wire and it's crazy it's it's like a bundle of wire in my mind i'm looking i'm like there's no way that's going through there but everybody involved is like yeah we'll do that it's no problem don't even worry about it i'm like i don't know okay huh. <laughs> I don't know. it doesn't look like it's gonna work but <laughs> there's I? this thing it's this is different than i i assume different than what they're doing up there but recently one of the cable companies it's like a kind of regional cable company came through our backyard and a couple of neighbors and marked 
you know, they did like they marked where the utilities were in the ground so that they could pull this new line. And my wife was out there when they were marking this stuff. And so she asked, you know, like, what's this going to do to our yard? And, you know, where are you going to be digging and things like that? And they said, oh, you won't even see it. Like, it's not going to disturb anything. And so they ended up, I, I didn't get to see the machine, but they had this pipe. It was like a tube. It's not, not, it's not like a rigid pipe. It, it has like some flex to it. But it's probably four inches, five inches around, orange plastic looking pipe stuff. And somehow they went in two or three houses down, ran it through all of those backyards, up through the hill next to our house where the little box is. And they didn't dig like you, it goes into the ground and it comes out of the ground mm. and that's it. And there was a guy walking along with this little like metal detector looking thing holding that the ground and he would turn around and wave to the guy that was running this machine back at the beginning. And I guess he was directing it. So I don't know if they were like flooding water through it to like dig a hole as it moved forward. I don't know what the process was, but wow. it's pretty impressive. And they did the whole thing in maybe, t- maybe an hour, hour and a half, something like that. Wow. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Well, I dug a massive hole. My my guy who had the machine big enough to dig that kind of hole, his bucket was three feet wide, so we had to dig this massive hole, which is now covered, thankfully. But when he dug, he hit a, a giant wire. And I showed it in my Instagram. I said, oh, he hit this aluminum wire. But to me, because I saw just the end from when I was standing on the edge of the hole, I could see what I looked at across the hole, and it looked like an aluminum wire. And I was like, okay, nothing shut off. No one's complaining. I don't know what it is. It must be an old thing. The bundle was about an inch and a half in diameter. And then Derek, my buddy Derek, who works for Verizon, came over to the house and he goes, hey, dude, you, you, did you realize the guy cut a phone line? I'm like, no, I don't, it looks like an aluminum wire. What kind of phone line is an aluminum wire? And he said, no, 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 you got to look at the other side sticking out of the other side of the hole. So if you're standing on the hole, it's like right under your feet. You don't look straight down, you look across. And I looked down and it was a phone line with about 60,000 wires like exploded out of the thing. I, I only saw the other side, which was a clean cut, which to me just looked like a smooth piece of aluminum. This side, he must have dug at it a couple times and exposed all the wires on the short side. It looked like, no, it looked like it was probably 300 wires sticking out of it. Those little tiny phone lines. And Derek said, nobody's contacted you by now because it was like at least two weeks after we dug the hole. And I said, no. He goes, then it must be a deadline. He said, because in our business, if that gets cut immediately, everyone's phone line goes out and they could send a pulse and they know exactly where it is. They could send a pulse to a cutoff wire and determine exactly where it terminates and then show up and be like, huh. okay, we got to splice this back together. And he says, if it, if it was an operating phone line, it probably would have cost us thousands of dollars to, in fines to put, put it back together. Ouch. But he said, because there was so many trees growing over where it was, he said, there's no chance that it's... Obviously, it's not being used because no one's knocking on your door looking for you to fix it. <laughs> but he said that probably could have ran hundreds of homes, that one phone line that wow. was under the ground. <laughs> but thankfully, it's, it, was, it was out of service. But we just covered it back up. Forget it. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> Nobody will know. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, this week, uh, I think we're going to work on three videos at the same time, because next week I won't have an opportunity to work on videos. So uh, I'm going to rebuild my outfeed table for my table saw, and it's basically going to be the same one, but a little bit bigger. I, when I built the first one, it was for an older table saw, and this one's a little bit bigger, and um, I don't use the inside of my table or outfeed table for for storage because I have a dust collector underneath my table saw and the bag kind of blows into um, the cavity where storage would be so it's kind of a custom thing for me and then I'm uh, way back when Eric was still filming we started making a video on bandsaw boxes it was just like a general like this is everything you need to know about bandsaw boxes. And I've been slowly like filming bits and pieces of this video over like three months. And I think it's time to finish it up and get them, get them out of the shop. And then a couple weeks ago, we got wood for my deli board that, and I'm going to kind of uh, re redo customize a little bit. So a long time ago, I, when I was doing vlogs, 
I was at an antique store here in town and I saw this old deli board. It has like a Pepsi logo in the middle and, and the removable letters that pop into the little grooves. And in that video, I'm like, this is so cool, but it's out of my budget. So I let it go. And Michael from um, Will Work for Tools saw that, happened to be passing through Toledo, stopped by that antique store, found it, set, and then uh-huh. sent me a message and said, David, I have something for you. Can I stop by? This is when we we're at the old place. And I was like, sure. And then he gifts me this deli board, which it, was, I, it just blew me away. And so I've had this for a while now and I finally hung it up in my shop a few weeks ago. And, and so we're going to frame it. I'm going to put my logo in the middle and it's going to have a light. It's sort of be backlit. And it'll be a it'll be a fun project. I'll put up little hidden messages on there for for my patrons. So I'm gonna try to That's do cool. three videos uh, this week. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. To be to be released like over the next three weeks, or yeah, you try to like dump them. Like, gotcha. To be released over the next three weeks, I do want to get back to two videos a week, um, but I can't quite figure out how to do that just yet. I want to pull out like a tip video within each video or like um, if there's if I'm working on a particular type of joinery to have like a more detailed version of that part of the video as a second one. I don't know. I do want to get back to two videos a week. I just it's really, really hard to find time to do so. Yeah, I'm, I'm still running into that where I want to do more things like I have other ideas of stuff I want to do and there's just not time. It's just like. There's a physical limit on us, you know? Yeah. Jimmy seems to figure out how to do more things than anybody else I know. I don't know. <laughs> Just don't sleep. But there's a there's a definite reward to it. The more videos that you put out, the more YouTube shows off your videos and the recommended or what to watch next. And and it's and it's completely obvious when when you do put out two videos in a week, how many more views how many more subscribers and more watch time and all that. And it's all, it's all beneficial. So, you know, just working on the channel. I've been, yeah. I mean, I've been like, since I've started doing the bits videos, which was, I think we've done 10 now, something like that. I've been trying to keep track of that, trying to look at like, well, these weeks have had, because we haven't done them every single week, but you know, these weeks have had two videos and trying to get an idea of, uh, like whether that's making a difference to like momentum for the channel or if it's just more total views because there's more total videos every week. And to be honest, like I don't I don't know that having it having two videos has really affected overall performance. It is perf- it's changed the volume of things, right? Because there's two videos that means there's going to be twice as many comments, twice as many views technically, theoretically. But I don't think that that's actually <clears throat> ramped up like momentum for the channel as a whole. Hmm. I, but I mean, you know, it's just it's just my channel. That's the only thing I'm going on right. in about ten weeks of those comparisons. But yeah. So in June, I didn't put out any videos, and if I if you base that momentum purely on new subscribers every day, uh, that during that month where I wasn't putting out any videos. I, it dipped down to like, I'm only gaining like 150 new subscribers, 200 new subscribers every day. As soon as I got back to weekly, it shot back up to 300 new subscribers every day. So there's, there's that for me, for maybe it's, maybe it's just because of the size of my channel. For me, the more videos I put out, the more new uh, viewers I'm, I'm getting on the channel. Yeah. I've been consistently slowed down for like the last year and a half. Actually, lately things have been ticking up a little bit. I can't really say why. I don't know, but it doesn't seem to be any action reaction. It's just slowly everything's going a little bit better than it was probably the last maybe three months ago. But hmm. I just try and put out stuff that's interesting to me. That's it. Yeah, I mean, you know, when it's, it's when it's ready, those. when it's ready. You know, I still haven't. Yeah. I still haven't been able to keep a schedule no matter what. The schedule is what motivates me. Um, no, I was just going to say, it, it's one of those things that you just can't, <clears throat> no matter what pattern you think you see, or people seem to see these patterns about, like, this causes this thing to happen. It That may be the case, and maybe that pattern is real for them, or it's 
something that they can see in their own content. But it, it's just one of those things that like you can't pass off. Like, here's all the knowledge you need to be able to do this on your channel <laughs> exactly. because it's just a, it's a different set of people. It's a different set of everything. Mm. Yeah. That's why there's no books. That's, there, there's no there's no real books on how to have a successful YouTube channel because it changes and it's so different for everybody. And did you guys happen to see the article in the Guardian? Did anybody a family friend sent it to me about? And I was driving, so I just selected all and hit speak. So I was listening to it while I was driving. It's um. About burnout, YouTube burnout. So Somebody sent it to me and I haven't watched it yet or, or read yeah. it yet. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, I it's heard. basically just, it's like young kids just working too hard. It's all, they're all talking about kids in their 20s. There's nobody like us. But they just said people work That's too old hard. old folks. <laughs> it it kind of seems to pertain more to the daily vloggers who have to make a video every yeah. single day, which obviously is tremendously stressful. So there is maybe, uh, and I know we got to get to Bob, on what he's working on, but maybe no. um, burnout is a potential topic for the show because there there does come a time where I'm like, man, you, when you're forced to be creative all the time, there does get up. It gets to a point where it's like, this is, I, I'm worn out. I'm tired. I don't know what to do. I don't feel creative right now. But at the at the same time, I've worked really terrible. Not terrible, but jobs that I've not liked. And this is a job that I absolutely love. So I think like this is this is no matter how much burnout I feel or how tired I am, I am still living this dream life that I've always wanted. And so it that's the thing that keeps pushing me through. But being forced to be creative all the time, there is that that little bit of like, oh I just need a break. I just I just I'm not creative today, you know? Do you, do you ever feel that? I just wait it out because there's always something. And I have so many lists written on the back of napkins and back pages of books and stuff. Or even on my phone, I have 10 different lists. Uh, I just dig through the list and find something. Well, it's so, not even I, it's not even the ideas for the project. I mean, I have a huge list too. It's the, it's the like, getting on camera and being yeah, camera Dave. That's what I'm saying. You know? I just, I'll wait. And those are days that I'll tinker instead, where like if I'm uh -huh. not feeling it, I'll tinker and I'll just start. Like for instance, on a vlog day, I have to sit in front of the camera and do my chat up after I edit everything. That usually is done at like two in the morning. And last night was no different. I did it at about 12.30, a.m. And then I start plugging those pieces in. And it's like, at that point, I'm so burnt out on just that one project. I'm so over it. Mm -hmm. But I put the pieces together and, I'm always like, ah, another hour, and I'll have this whole thing done. And then I stretch that out through the whole night. <laughs> I end up staying up all night, dilly-dallying with it. But those nights, I just, uh, I just push through, and or I'll just take a break. Like I told you guys last night, I was halfway through that ending, and I just went and took a nap for a few hours and came back and finished it this morning. But sometimes when you feel that, you just got to walk away. And if you have the time to do it, then that's you should do it. Walk away, get a fresh perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where, like, if you if you feel, and this goes with most jobs, I would assume, if you feel the burnout coming and you push through it for the sake of, I don't know, for whatever reason, you push through it and you try to continue on, I think the burnout can either be, like, a temporary uh tiredness or a long-term exhaustion and so if you continue to like try to push through it you're just getting yourself further and further exhausted that you may not be able to come back from you know like if you if you just like well i don't really want to do this but i'm gonna do it because i have to because there's money involved or whatever <clears throat> eventually you're going to start to you know to really uh just not enjoy what you were supposed to be enjoying and doing in the first place yeah and so when you get burnt out or you need or you're tired or you're not feeling it, I mean, I, I think that's a pretty good indication that you like your body and your mind is telling you to like back off. You're going to hate this later unless you back off now and give yourself some space to to reboot a little bit, you know, and that's hard. I mean, most people who do what we do are pretty self-motivated and are, you know, trying to do more and trying to do better and trying to do new things. And so it's hard to tell those type of people or for those people to tell themselves back off, like take some time. You don't have to be productive. And it's especially hard for me. I feel like, I feel like there's this thing inside of me that always wants to be productive in some way, whether it's 
in a relationship or whether it's in, you know, work or it's around the house or something like I always want to be doing something to improve things, move things along. And so it's really hard for me to tell myself, like, this is not going to be beneficial for you. In fact, uh, that's actually an interesting segue. Uh, so I was in California this week and we went out to build a project with matter hackers, which hopefully will be out before this episode comes out. So I can tell you about it. Um, but to tie this in, we got to the very end of this project and there was a component that I theoretically should have done a certain thing. And we got this whole build done. We got this component in place and the physics of the thing just didn't work out. It just didn't, there was too much force going in one direction. It just didn't do what I thought it should do. So we had about a half day left. We got on McMaster car. We ordered another larger, more powerful version of this part. Got here in like two hours from McMaster. Got to California because uh, it's local out there. So we then, you know, we were still working. We got this part in. We swapped out the old thing, put in the new one, did some problem solving, 3D printed some parts. Still didn't work. Hmm. So then we flipped it around. So then we tried all this other thing. We tried to cut down the tension on it. We cut, we, it was just like problem solving. It's like me and three engineers going like, okay, well, this didn't work. Now what? This didn't work. Now what? Hmm. And we fought this thing for multiple hours. And everything else was done. It was down to this last piece. And I was tired from the week of work. I was tired from sitting down behind this giant thing crouched down trying to screw and unscrew this thing over and over. I was frustrated because this whole, you know, we had to leave the next day. All this stuff was compounding. And I got to a point to where I was like, look, I can either be upset about this. I can be frustrated and I can dig my heels in and like, we're going to sit here and work on this until it's figured out, which may not ever happen. Or I can just say like, it's good enough. I'm supposed to enjoy this. This is supposed to be fun. This is something that it works as it is. It's just not what I was expecting. And I just had a moment where I was like, you know, I can take this in one of two directions. Like I can, I can dig in and probably make myself and everybody else miserable to try to get to a a goal that I had, or I can just say, it's good enough. Let's take it easy. Let's relax. Let's move on because, you know, Monday I'm gonna have to turn around and build a new thing. This thing's not going to even be in my mind after a few days. And I think it's the same kind of thing with like burnout. You know, you get to a point where you're like, I can either force myself to continue to do this thing and be miserable for the sake of whatever and probably not solve anything. Or I can take a breath, let it be done for tonight, for this week or whatever, and then start again later and feel better about it. So I had that exact thing (laughs) happened and I felt really after I like let it go and said you know what this is good and Josh was still frustrated he wanted to get it to work and I could tell you know but I was just like this is it it's good let's go have a burger we're done (laughs) and I felt really good after walking away from it and being like okay we you know did the best you could done let's just move on yeah and we did and it and it turned out cool regardless um, when you're at that moment was, of the, when you're at that moment of product development or discovery, you also you have to ask yourself because I did it a lot with the toy business, where if there's a group of people designing developing something, and you come to an impasse and you're like, wait, should we do it this way or should we do it that way? You have to really ask yourself. When the people see it with fresh eyes, they're not going to know there was a choice. If both solutions are tangible and solvable to some extent, you got to remember someone's going to look at it and not remember that you didn't pick the other thing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. you got to remember that because you get because like you'll show it to a friend and you go, yeah, we were going to do it this way, but we decided to go like, don't say that because no one needs to know that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, I was going to paint it black, but I decided, you know, I find myself doing that. I just give somebody, hey, look, this is what I made. Oh, that's really nice. They don't know the internal choice, left, right, up, right. down struggles that you went through and you don't have to tell them. One of the weird things about that, I totally agree with you, but one of the weird things is in filming a a project like that, um, you know, we were out there for three days and we set it up, like even before we left, we shot some stuff here. I was setting up the electronics for this thing and I said, this component does this, this does this. Oh, and then you gotta gotta make sure it does it. (laughs) Yeah, and so like I set it up as like, here, I already did this work. It functions, watch. 
you know, look, it functioned. It did exactly what I wanted it to. Then I took it there, installed it, and it didn't work. So I said to the camera, okay, we're going we're gonna to work around this. We got another solution. It's on its way. <clears throat> Put that thing in. Off camera, struggled with it for multiple hours, but I was like, I've already set this up twice in the story, right? I already introduced it. I already said there was a problem, which is kind of a way out. You know, I've already said this is a problem. We're going to try to get around it. And so I got to the point where I was like, well, do I have to go back and like modify the story? Do I need to take this thing yeah. out completely? Or do I just say, and I, what I ended up saying was like, we fought this for a couple hours here. It's eight o'clock at night. Everybody's left the office. We don't have anybody else to film with. Like the whole idea was to get this, you know, like play this game with people. It just didn't work. And we're, we're out of time. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I had to like make myself do that to the camera and be like, hey, you know, we tried our best. Because that's one of those things that happens, and you know, I don't want to give the impression that like everything works all the time. It certainly doesn't. So I did that but once. Yeah, with I mean, the I, I agree with what work. you're saying. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I did it an automatic knife. It didn't work, but it was because it was a make video. It had to be submitted by a certain time, and I wasn't done. I was definitely working against the hard out, and it didn't work. I had to get it ready, and so I just did the video. I'm like, hey, and so I pop in. I go, oh, the video's over. The product stopped working. It doesn't work anymore. I'll try it better next time. I know what I did wrong. I'll try and do it better next time. And everybody appreciated my honesty. That was a couple of years back. Yeah. I think, you know, it, there's a, I, I think I mentioned vulnerability last week. I'm reading this book and it's bringing a lot of this stuff to my, in my head lately. Um, but that's one of those moments where like you, you have the, the opportunity to talk about like a, a, failure, uh, something that just didn't work out like you wanted it to. You can either try to bury that for the sake of your own pride or for like protection against like the comments that are definitely going to come from it. Cause I know as soon as I put this video up, people will say, Oh, you should have used X component that would have done it. And they're, I'm sure they're right. But in that moment of having multiple failures within like a six hour window and trying to figure out how to do it before we fly out, you know, it's like, I couldn't do the research to find the perfect solution to them. We were just limited as to what we could do and how long we had to do it. Um, but you know, like I could either hide it for the way, for the sake of like protecting my own stuff, or I could be vulnerable about the fact that like we did our best and we didn't get it. I know there is a solution, but we couldn't find it in the time that we had. And so it's kind of weird, you know, like I'm putting that in there with the full expectation of like, man, they're going to rain down on me. <laughs> they're going to say, you could have done this and you should have done this. And why didn't you do this? And I know it's coming, but I'm just trying to like, you know, temper that in my own head yeah. ahead of time to like, well, yeah, I did my best, whatever. It's okay. You know, when they say that, they, anyway. they actually, they mean well. I think most of those people mean well, yeah. but you, you're going to read it as like, this, this is the thing that did not come out the way I expected. And now all these people have the think they have the solution but they don't know the whole like you you just yeah. go into the comments with a with a positive attitude because they do mean well it just might not yeah sound that's like why i'm it. trying to that's why i'm trying to temper it in myself before <laughs> so that i do have that attitude going in yeah. and not get all defensive because I, I don't want to do that yeah so anyway so what we were working on out there um do you guys ever play the game perfection yeah <clears throat> no the little it's like a little square Came out in like 1980. Have, Me and my sister played it all the time. Yeah, totally from like different it. shapes, and you you try to put them in the holes, and if you don't get them all in in time, the whole box pops and all the shapes pop out. Yep. So we made that, but it's eight feet tall and goes on a wall, <laughs> and so the <clears throat> the pieces are about well, they're they fit into a 12 inch by 12 inch square, so which is bigger than the entire game, <laughs> the original game, and so <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> So we, we did this thing. It's like eight feet tall, six feet wide, something like that. It goes on a wall. Um, all the pieces are flexible. They're 3D printed, but they're made out of a flexible material. So they have some bend to them. They're not going to be sharp when they pop out because they do pop out of the wall if you don't get them all in time. And so we ended up, it was an interesting kind of engineering process to try to figure out how to take this small game that goes on a table and make it big vertical it introduced all sorts of new problems um like how to get these pieces to stay in place but also have them loose enough that you can knock them out with some mechanism and there's 25 of them so you have to knock out 25 big 
plastic things. So the friction increases as it gets more and more. Yeah, it's crazy. And so we we ended up we tried or we thought through a bunch of different options for like you know using a cam system on each road and knock them all out with a motor. Uh, we talked about compressed air behind all of them to force them all out. We you know all these different things, and we ended up with a kind of rack of PVC and. So it's like a like a PVC grid and a little foot that sticks out behind each one of these pieces. And so the whole thing is pulled back in tension. And when you lose, you let go of the tension. And so it swings this whole rack and these little things poke all the pieces out. So the component that didn't work was you have to be able to lock this thing back somehow. So you, you swing this rack back and we had a little solenoid at the bottom that would pop up in front of it and hold it in place. And then that solenoid is an electronic component, so the Arduino would tell it to release. It would pull this thing down, releasing the rack, which would swing forward and knock all the pieces. The problem is there's a lot of tension holding this thing, trying to pull this thing forward. And so it was pushing across the solenoid. When the solenoid is made to go up and down, it's pushing on the side of it. And so basically we had to have this thing strong enough that it would force all the pieces out. But that made it too strong for the component that we were trying to use. And so, like, we could take off some of the tension, but then it didn't have the effect of knocking all the pieces out. And so it was this weird trade-off of, like, you have to have force, but then you also have to be able to counteract that force to hold it in place. Uh, whatever. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it, was a, it was a lot of conversations about physics and stuff that we were trying to figure out. Can you? So I'd never played Perfection, but I'm looking at photos on Google right now, and it looks familiar. But I don't quite understand how the game works. Looks like there's a timer and pieces that fit into a, um, uh, like a mating hole, right? Yeah. So yeah. So you set the timer, and then you have to just pick up the right shapes, get them all into the right holes in time, and then turn the game off. Okay. And if you don't, when the timer goes, there's like a, there's like a bottom panel that pops up or shakes or something. I haven't played the original game in a really long time. Uh, and it knocks all the pieces. They kind of pop up, pop out. Gotcha. So Okay, that makes sense. And and so we had, we had tried to make this a combination of mechanical and electronic stuff so that there's LEDs, there's a, an arcade button, you hit the arcade button, it starts a timer, the lights flash, you know, to show you that the game's going. And then if you lose, if the timer runs out, it lets go and knocks all the pieces out. So it was a combination of mechanical stuff driven by electronics. And I thought that was really cool. I thought that was going to be a lot of fun. Essentially what we got, and we also had, originally we had um, little switches built into each one of these openings. So when you pushed a piece in, you clicked a switch. And so if you got all the pieces in, it would know that they were all in place and you would automatically win. We decided pretty late in the game that, like, we just don't have time to wire up 25 switches that are all in series and get them all soldered together and stuff. So we abandoned that and said, like, if you want to win, now you have to push the start button again. So you push Uh the button once to start the timer. If you win, if you get them all in, you got to hit the button again. So that was a good workaround there. But it simplified the scope, right? It took the scope of, like, cool stuff and knocked off a chunk. Then when the solenoid didn't work, it knocked off another big chunk. And so now, the electronics are the lights. That's all they do. Like, you hit this button and it starts flashing lights. And if you run out of time, the lights turn red. And, like, for me, like, that's a bummer. Because (laughs) we planned out this... (laughs) We planned out this big thing, right? And it had, like, these functions and it had, you know... It, it just had components that did things, and it was reactive. If you got the pieces in, it reacted to it. And then it had, like, a mechanical thing that would slot, you know, let go and push all the pieces out. And then it just got to where it was lights. <laughs> and, like, you can still play the game. It's it's manual. Somebody has to hold the thing. There's, like, a rope you pull to reset it. So somebody has to hold the rope while you're playing the game to keep the rack back, to keep it in tension. And then if you run out of time, or that person's just mean, they just let go of the rope, <laughs> and all the pieces fly out. So, you know, it works, but it's not as cool as it was supposed to be. Hmm. And I think that was the big thing. Like, I had to get to my place where 
okay, it does the thing it's supposed to do. It's playable. People can still have fun with it. I have to let my expectation of, or, you know, what I was hoping it would be, I just have to let that go for now. So, but the cool thing was when we got it finally finished, <clears throat> there were two people that were, that worked there that were or three people that were still there. And so we got this thing mounted on the wall, this giant box mounted on the wall. And they, they finally came out and they were like, okay, we've never played perfection. What do we do? And so it was somebody who didn't have the context as to, you know, like how the game was supposed to be played or what it was, whether it was going to be stressful or not or whatever. And so we told them how to play. We set up the camera and we said, go. And somebody held the game in tension, held it like that. And they were like the timer got going and they totally got into it. And they felt the there were two of them playing at the same time and they felt the stress of it and they got all the pieces in and there's two pieces that look the same, but they're not the same. So you get them in the wrong place. There's some pieces that have to be turned the right direction. And so like the, uh, watching these guys play and being like, Oh oh no, we're about to run out of time. Ah, get the piece. And they got it within like two seconds and they hit the button and they won and they cheered. And I was like, okay, this works. Like, you know, it's not necessarily what I wanted, but those two dudes played and had fun. And then we got to let go of the thing and all the pieces flew out and they were like, ah, you know, so it worked. And so they're like, there's something about like your expectation versus like you were saying, Jimmy, like those guys wouldn't ever have known that we had something not work if I hadn't told them that ahead of time. They played, they had fun. Right. So anyway. I don't know how I got to all that, but that's what I've been doing for the last week. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys think of putting you a know. solenoid ex, uh, under each one of the pieces, or did you want to just try to economize it and have the trade jump up like in the original game? Um, there were a bunch of different... Th- we thought about putting... We didn't think about putting a solenoid in each one. The solenoids that we were looking at were... Uh, they they drew the post in. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, it's it basically it's an electromagnet and when it's powered, it draws a thing in. So you got to so transfer that mechanism into some sort of push out. We would have had to, yeah, we would have had to turn it around the put other direction. Put it on a lever basically. that could do this. If you put it on a lever, you could do it like that. Yeah. But it would be funny. There were a bunch of ways, there were a bunch of ways we could have put an individual thing in each one of the holes, put a servo that would knock them out or a, yeah. we even thought about a stepper motor on one end that would turn a rod which had little feet push and like out. each row yeah. could push everything out it, it but, could have know, an you, attitude like as you're playing it's like uh, uh, <laughs> you know like you're trying to jump and put it in it's like eh, I don't want you. Eh. so if your time's run out the game it would have to have your voice you. for the game yeah you, you have to <laughs> record Jimmy and put in the sound effects in there <laughs> anyway it was a it was a really good trip uh, it was fun to build, you know, something in a different place with different tools and have to work around not having the things that I was used to. I have another solution. Work, you, know. <laughs> you guys should have called me. You probably thought of this. Maybe you didn't think of it. If every single hole had a latch and was a, had a spring and the latch is what would move, so every single piece had its own localized ejection system. So every time you put the piece in, you're spring-loading a spring that's either in the bottom of the piece or in the game. It's a little different than mm-hmm. the original game. So you start popping in each piece, and each piece is spring-loaded, but if you don't get it in time, the buzzer literally just pulls and releases something. So it has to it doesn't have to have that slam-push momentum. All it has to do is open up. And if it opens up, it pulls the latch, and each one of the pieces is spring-loaded in its own way to shoot out. Yeah. We did think about several different options for that. Um and the reason we went with this one ahead of time going into it was but it was the the fewest points of failure. Right. <clears throat> so yeah. every time you introduce, you know, like we had one component that we were working around, which granted it was taking all of the tension of 25 things in one place. But if we had tried to put a, a different component on each one of the holes, then you have 25 points of failure. Yeah. And if one wire is loose, you know. That's why we didn't do the switches on everything to, you know, because it was like if one wire's loose, we have 25 buttons with two connections each. So that's 50 connections we have to check to see what the problem is. So we tried to, 
mitigate that stuff ahead of time by simplifying it down to like the fewest number of components. But then as Obviously, YouTubers, what one, we start thinking to ourselves is it only has to work once. <laughs> well, and that's what or twice. Yeah, somebody somebody said that. At <laughs> you know, that's you start like, realizing. Okay, let's just get this. Let's just like, get it movie on the magic. You you can make it look like it works, and I'm like, get no, it. I don't want to do that. Like, get it in the can, move so, on. <clears throat> yeah, it was interesting though, and it's always interesting working in another place with other people's tools. Uh, it's sometimes frustrating, you know. Sure, but. It was. Uh, it's like having a sleepover cool. and you wake up too early and you don't know what to do with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you just yeah. lay there staring huh. at the ceiling because you want to do your thing, but you don't have it there and you don't know where to go. And you don't want to wake anybody else up. Does Does that happen to you often? Every you time I have a sleepover with my buddies. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. That doesn't happen anymore. Everybody has their cell phones with them. There's always, so there's always something That's to do. True. There's always email. <laughs> For us, there's always email. Comments. Always email. Ugh. Ugh. I found myself. Um, <laughs> so I I used, I used, usually wake up, and the first thing I do is I grab my phone because my alarm's on my phone. I grab my phone, turn off the alarm, and then if I know I need to get myself awake, I'll try to keep my phone facing me and, like, do something, you know, as a way to just, like, the lights in my face, and it just wakes me up. Twitter's pretty innocuous. I can go to Twitter, and I'm like, okay, cool, see what people are doing. There's some nice com- comments, mentions from people. Instagram's kind of the same way. It's enjoyable. And then there's, like, always this hesitation. I'm like, should I click YouTube? <laughs> yeah. Like, I could, I know there's comments there, and I can click them. Do I want my morning to start that way or not? <laughs> and it's funny, because I've actually gotten better recently about, like, you know what? I'm just going to wait on YouTube. I'm going to, that's going to be later in the day. That's funny. So, anyway, but that is a way to wake up, depending on how badly you want to start. <laughs> Click on YouTube or not. <clears throat> but honestly, they're mostly good. Um, yeah, hey, we're 45 minutes in. Haven't really gotten topic. I just yammered about failure for a while. Not, uh, do we have anything that we want to talk about? I'm not sure we had a topic. No, we, we didn't. Really. <laughs> There's still questions uh, that we didn't get to from the past couple weeks. Do you have them in front of you? Excuse me. I have a few. I haven't really gone through them super well. So we'll have to uh, fill in while I figure out one to talk about. Did we talk about this one? This was from Kevin Moyer. To what extent does audience feedback affect what you do or how you do it? Did we talk about that? I I feel like we have in the past. I don't know if we've had an entire episode on that. Hmm. We, it's it's it. I know we've talked about this in the past because I think we've kind of had different um, opinions on it. And for me, when somebody really likes something, that's that's rewarding. And there's a there's a there's a balance. There's a game that I'm playing of trying to do what I want to do, and but also give the audience what they want. And you guys, both of you are like, you know, make what you want and then train your audience to to follow what you're doing, which is great advice. But I'm also trying to keep the lights on. So it's it there's there's I think I think we talked about it when I was doing the when I mentioned the, the shop furniture. Like I really don't like making shop furniture, but those are the projects that do so well for me. And uh, and you and so but anyways, I'm <laughs> I'm making a table. I'll feed the table for my table saw this week. So more shop furniture, yay. But um, it, it, it is a balance. There is a, there is a thing. There's, there's a huge portion of my audience that will just watch whatever I put out and they, they enjoy it. And I'm so thankful for those people. And then there's the, the, the other people that are like, make this, make this. Why don't you make this? And, and I, do, I, I, I do try to kind of... It does affect. What I'm trying to say is, it does affect what I what I make a little bit to a certain point. It forces me to put two minute sign videos in my vlog instead of making it a ten minute build video. Hmm. I have a question about that. Okay. What's the? Is it because you just don't want to listen to the comments, or do you feel like it negatively affects something? Me personally. Yeah. Like you not you taking a sign and. 
uh, having you know, the conscious decision to like make it a little segment rather than its own video uh, that some people may not watch. The base, basically, it's just because it's a little repetitive. I mean, I have the loyal fans that watch everything, and those are the ones that might get a little burnout on seeing the same thing in various configurations, but it's basically the same thing. I'll put a video out and someone will go, oh my God, this is awesome. I've never seen you do this before because, you know, the audience is very random. So, but to consciously include it and not make it a big deal, I'm not going to force somebody to sit through another 10 minute version of the same thing I've done 15 times. So that's why I, it's a little bit of audience participation, a little bit of, hey, uh, you know, I feel for you. I'm, I'm actually sick of watching it too, and I'm the one making it. So. <laughs> it's, if so you... It's just, uh, so, like if you make something that you want to make and you film it and you put it out there and you know you're going to get a negative reaction, but this is the thing that you wanted to make, there comes a time when you have to start reading those comments. And then those comments are what make you f feel bad about this thing that you wanted to make. And so I think that's why it affects me, because I know people are going to going to react. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I agree. I also... I'm trying my best to not let that be a consideration. I think the thing that is more of a consider <clears throat> how do I say this? I think I care a little bit more about the comments from people that have to do with how they ingest what I do rather than what I do. So what I mean by that, by that is like, <clears throat> uh, Okay, here's a good example. So I've had a lot of people, I've used a shotgun mic on, on my camera for a long time because it's the easiest, most consistent way to get audio from me. I've tried to use a lav mic, which is, you know, closer. It cuts down on echo and it cuts down, it makes a more consistent uh, sound for the audio in different situations, but it also rustles under my shirt. And like if I put my chin down, it makes a weird noise and I've lost considerable amounts of audio to a lav mic before. People often say, uh, like, why don't you have consistent audio if you go from room to room? Like, one of them has echo, one doesn't because of the shotgun mic. One sounds this way, and I have to go back and modify, you know, the audio to try to get them more uh, clean or more consistent, but I know it works. I know it gets what I say every time. I don't lose it to, like, I don't get that, like, every other scene like I do with a lav mic. Okay. So people have constantly said like, why don't you have more consistent audio? Why don't you use a lav mic? And I've tried several times and it never worked. It always caused a problem. And so it's been one of those things where I just kind of like, okay, people are just not going to be happy with that. But it's, it, it, it causes a problem for how people ingest what I'm doing. And that has nothing to do with the project. It has nothing to do with what I'm saying or how I'm presenting things. It's like a technical thing. And so for the past couple of weeks, we've been trying really hard to figure out how to make a lav mic work. Through this experimentation, finding different ways, because I know, David, you use one. A lot of people use them, and they don't have any problem with it all. And I, and I don't know why it was a problem for me. So we've been trying to figure this thing out, putting in extra time, buying extra stuff to try to figure this thing out. It turns out that the lav mic I have, inside, underneath the cover where the batteries go, there's a little switch. And on the microphone, there's a plus 20 dB, which adds gain to the microphone and makes it pick up a lot more stuff. On the receiver, there's a minus. And so somehow, the microphone got set to plus 20, so it picks up way too much stuff, the, the receiver got set to minus 20, so it cut the total volume back down. But basically, it made the microphone super sensitive without being too loud. So every little t-shirt crinkle got picked up. Every little thing got muffled. Every extra noise got blown way out of proportion. So once I figured that out, we adjusted that. Sounds great. Totally easy <laughs> to use. Best thing ever, right? <laughs> but the fact is, I would not have gotten to figure that out if I hadn't at least listened mm. to a repetitive comment that said, this is a thing that would make your videos better. Again, nothing to do with the projects, nothing to do with how I explain things. So that's the stuff that I care about, because now, going forward, I know that I'm going to be able to have more consistent audio, which means people are always going to be able to understand what I'm saying. It means I have to do a little bit less audio manipulation in editing 
Now, if somebody says, like, I wish you would do more woodworking, sorry to tell you, man, I don't care at all. Not even a little bit. And this is not me being mean or, like, inconsiderate. That's not my point. That's not why I do what I do. I don't care what you want. I want you to learn something from what I do. That would be fantastic, and that would make me super happy, and I hope that you can get something out of what I do. But I don't care that you want to see me make a spoon. <laughs> that doesn't matter to me. You know I've what I mean? So like, Bob, for you to make a spoon. So I, guess I don't care, Jimmy. I don't care. <laughs> so I mean, but my point, my point is, like, I want people to be able to get stuff out of it, but the only way that they're going to be able to get something out of it is if I'm doing what I care about, the things that I'm interested in, and if I can take feedback from people to make the presentation better or more ingestible by them, then I would love to hear that stuff. That's a really super long-winded <laughs> way of giving, get, you know, anyway. I, I love that you have that thing where you don't care. So, Jimmy, for you, what is the thing that you hear that you do not care? Uh, well... People constantly tell me that I've changed and I'm, you know, used to be better, used to be better. And my answer, and I've said it before, is, hey, let's compare your life seven years ago or six years ago to where it is today. And are you exactly the same? Are you performing for, you know, a half million people a week that you're doing exactly the same thing you were doing that many years ago, exactly the same now? You know, we're living our lives in public and we were meandering through creative expansion creative discoveries, creative outlets, uh, the opportunity to play with certain machines I wouldn't have been able to. And so we're living our lives in a certain, I don't want to mention it by name, but there is a YouTuber or two out there that said, I am going to do this and this is all I am going to do and I am not going to change. And now they're up against the wall going, I don't know what to do because now if I change, I'm going to alienate all that part of my audience. And if I'm staying the same, nothing's growing. So I've noticed that with a couple of YouTubers that say, this is what my channel is about, and it's not about anything but just this, and they're struggling. So I'm meandering through life learning, and when people say you've changed, I think it's just a very small part of my audience. It kind of irks me a little bit, but I know there's such a bigger part of my audience that's happy to see me discover, and, and it inspires them to do some self-discovery too. So it doesn't really bother me, but it's the one thing that I'd be like, I just want to like call them up and say, let me explain something to you for an hour. But... <laughs> I don't do that. I just ignore it. Because again, it's just a really small percentage. But like most negative comments are the ones that kind of prick you. Hmm. My I don't care is the comments that I get on, you care more about how your shop looks or you care more about entertaining than than teaching. That is my I don't care. (laughs) I want my shop to be inviting to me. My shop is for me. I spend a good amount of time in there. And I want it to look a certain way and I want it to have a certain feel. And I don't care that you don't like my shop. I do not care. But, but David, I don't think it's right that you have carpet on your floor. <laughs> and Bob, this is your chance. Say I, it, I don't say care. It. Yeah. Awesome. I love my carpet. I love my, I, you know, I, I want to give you the chance to respond yeah, to that. <laughs> I work on the floor all the time. Like I'm, I'm kneeling on the floor and I'm, I'm screwing things in, I'm putting things together and having that carpet is, is so nice. I've, I've dropped tools. Yeah. I, I throw walnut pieces on the floor. Doesn't matter. Cause it's carpet. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> That's funny. Well, anyway, um, and, and to be clear, I wasn't saying I don't care as in I don't care what people think. It's not that. Yeah. It's just I, I make a big distinction between the feedback from people that I do want to take in and that I think is important and the stuff that is just like, that's fantastic that you want that, but that's not my goal. That's not what I'm, I've bound myself to, you know. Um, anyway, uh, do we want to talk about what we've been watching? Oh. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, yeah. I didn't pull up the Patreon list, so go ahead and do that. And- All right. So there is a channel called Third Coast Craftsman, and I just started. Oh, the- yeah. He's oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been following him on Instagram for a while, and then took me a while, but I finally went over to his YouTube channel, and they're great videos. So that's my pick. Yeah. <clears throat> He's a nice guy, too. We met him at uh, WorkbenchCon. Oh. Yep. Good dude. Nice. Yeah. Really good. Really, really beautiful work as well. For sure. Um, I'm going to just say it again because he's the only one I see in my history at the moment. Uh, I'm going to mute and cough. 
Okay. I'll okay. have to find the link for mute and cough. <laughs> this old Tony. If you haven't been watching this, this old, old Tony, you got to watch this old Tony. I've said him a few times, but his videos just are always good. And he never disappoints. And he always educates and entertains. So this old Tony. He recently did a video on a die filer, which is a really cool machine, which I need to get. I have a little one. He's got this crazy big giant unit now, which is an obsolete machine. In the face of CNC, you don't need these type of machines anymore. But it's it's an incredible machine. And, and, and in his most recent video, he kind of takes a little bit of a departure from what he typically does. And he just builds and he doesn't talk. But either one of his videos, whether he's talking and teaching or just making, are really beautifully shot. And really, his, his net results of his products are always beautiful. And we're working on a little collaboration secretly behind the scene. Hmm, that's so. cool. Right on. Um, before I talk about mine, I wanted to thank our Patreon supporters and give a little update from last week. But first, big thanks to Wise Old Dal, Evan and Caitlin, Corey Ward, uh, Works by Solo, Michael Schubert, Chad from Mancrafting, who's going to be uh, in New York, I know, Nick Ryan, Caleb Harris, and Make, Build, Modify. They're our top supporters um, on Patreon. Really thankful for them, but also thankful for everybody at all the levels. Last week, I mentioned how there was no $1 support level. And I thought that there was, but there wasn't. And there were a lot of people signed up at the $3 level. And then I mentioned the $1 level and a bunch of people fell back Wait, from I'm, three to one. I'm so I got super scared. I'm confused. Right? Say that again. I don't, it's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, I was confused as I was saying it. Basically, I saw we added a $1 level to Patreon because I wanted more people to be able to get the after show. I'm writing this down. Okay. You don't have to write it down. I'll send you an email that you okay. can take a screenshot of. Okay. <clears throat> so um, I was worried because a bunch of people Bob switched was, from three to... Bob was worried. <laughs> Bob was worried. Was writing down worried. Bob was worried. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, a bunch of people you know, lowered their patronage because uh, there was a new, a cheaper way to get the after show, which is fine. That's totally cool. But I wanted to say thank you to the other huge group of people who joined Patreon at the $1 level to get the after show. It's awesome. We we got a whole bunch of new patrons. Thank you. Um, so, yeah. I just wanted to say thank you to everybody who joined. Um, so, now, the actual truth is you can support <laughs> the show at any level and get the after show, even $1. Um, Some of that so support. If you're, if you're interested in that. Some of that support is going to help us with making it 200. Yes, that's how. Which we have not talked. We about. have not talked about. We were going to mention that. Yeah, we. Yeah, there's a we lot were of stuff to do. It last time, and it, yeah, we it, we're we're a little bit closer to making it happen, but we haven't actually finalized anything. But we are trying to work on it. <laughs> is that even worth saying? <laughs> yeah, we are. We are trying to work on it. We are thinking about trying to think you about it. You sent some emails this week. Did you guys actually have a conversation? I only saw like one email go across the bow, which was like a, hey, let's talk about it. That's where it's at. Yeah, okay. I think it's it's back to the point where the three of us need to talk and make a decision yeah. and then take it back to them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I guess, and we can talk about that here in case anybody's interested. Basically, we have a really fantastic spot that's been offered to us to, to do the event but there's a 200-person max capacity, which is about what we had at making it 100, I think. I think so. I remember yeah. correctly. So maybe that's not a big deal, but I feel like there were people that didn't get to come last time that wanted to. So I don't know. That's kind of the sticking point. That's where we're at. Like, is that, we a, is that a fire hazard max seat? capacity, or is that amount of seats I, in the room? I don't know. That's a good question. I assumed it was a fire hazard thing, but I'm not really sure. Yeah. Because if it's not, if it's just the seats in the room, then we can, you know, up that. Yeah, rent some chairs. Yeah. Bring your own chair. Yeah. <laughs> BYLC. <I'll> <laughs> That's right. Okay. Well, anyway, we'll up, update you as we get closer on that. Um, got anything else this week? Oh, my pick. I didn't say my pick. <laughs> my pick is <laughs> actually two things. So there's a, a YouTube channel that I've probably talked about before, but I don't know if I have or not. It's a he's a magician named Chris Ramsey. Have I talked hmm. about him? Mm -mm. So he he does like street magic. I love street magic type, you know, close up hands like card tricks and stuff. Um, and he's a really cool guy. 
it seems like he'd be a fun guy to hang out with, but he does a lot of street magic. And then it's not really related other than magic. There's a new show on Netflix, which I watched the first two episodes of, and I've not seen any more called magic for humans. And it's a different guy doing street magic. And it's a lot more TV like, you know, it's like a produced Netflix show. Um, but it's also good. A lot, a lot of close up sleight of hand type stuff. They're fun to watch. That's a really nice, nice pose you got there, Jimmy. I wish I had a picture of that. <laughs> I'm trying to keep my back straight. That reminds me of another okay. channel. So I'm going to give you guys a second pick. That's not a oh. repeat. Maybe it is a repeat. I might have said it like a couple hundred shows ago. Grand Illusion. You guys watch the Grand Illusion channel? That's my friend Tim. I know Tim from the toy uh, yeah. business. He's a yeah. British guy who shows cool illusions that are sometimes integrated into toys, sometimes integrated into little magic tricks. The Grand Illusion. And he's about to break a million, or if he hasn't, he's already broken a million. And Tim and I met each other 25 years ago at the toy business, in the toy business. And every year at Toy Fair, he, we'd all sit around the dinner table and Tim would bring a giant bag and he would do exactly what he does on YouTube. And he would pull out one thing and he'd present to like 30 people sitting at this giant table. We would always eat at this Chinese restaurant in New York City. And he'd, he'd go through it and then pass it around. And then he'd bring out another one. So I, I, I'm lucky enough to get to meet him and know him in person. But you could watch him on YouTube. Yep. So. Sweet. Grand illusion. And it's great for an inventor because that's what it's all about. It's inspiring invention, design, development. If you're an inventor and you want to try and you look at all these crazy <clears> cool things. And he's got hundreds of videos and every one of them is an introduction to a new principle, to a new concept, to a new magic trick. Sweet. All right. Well, um, let's go do the after show for mm-hmm. Patreon supporters. Mm-hmm. Cool beans. Cool. Mm-hmm. Cool beans. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. And uh, <laughs> Jimmy's making noises. We'll see you next week. <laughs> I said I love you, but I squeaked it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs>